Secret to Success podcast listener. Today we have an amazing gentleman with us, Mr. Eric Huberman. Mr. Eric, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So I'm going to stand out of the way and let you introduce yourself to our audience and tell them who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, um, I'm Eric Huberman, the founder and CEO of Hawk Media. Uh, we're basically an outsourced CMO and marketing team to companies. So go into brands, identify holes in their marketing organization, and then we can take over either one small piece of it, like Facebook advertising, or literally take over the entire marketing function of a company. So we manage marketing for about 500 brands, have about 165 full-time people. Oh, wow. So how did you get started with Hawk Media? Yeah, um, basically backgrounds in e-commerce, so built and sold a couple e-commerce companies, and about seven years ago, started advising and consulting for some other brands uh, on how to drive revenue growth using marketing, and worked with companies like Red Bull, Verizon, Eddie Bauer, as well as a lot of startups, and just saw the same thing over and over again across the board, which is when it came time to actually execute on the marketing advising I was doing, it was tough because there's two options when it comes to marketing. It's either hire in-house or hire an agency, and uh, what I found was hiring in-house isn't cost-effective. That's if you can find an attractive talent. And then, honestly, if you are able to attract the best marketers out there and afford them, then you're operating in a vacuum. And we see that detrimental to most companies. And it's, you know, it can be a really, uh, really critically bad mistake to make to try to build your entire marketing <laughs> team in-house, which is why agencies exist and almost every Fortune 1000 and most successful companies use them. The problem with agencies, though, is 99% of them really have no idea what they're doing, are not built by successful people, are not built by people that know how to grow businesses. They're just salespeople. And the few that are any good tend to get really expensive, want long contracts, high minimums, something that makes them hard to work with. And so I just got sick of the whole ecosystem, hired a small little SWAT team to fix it, and that's how we started, you know, six and a half years ago with seven people and basically created this a la carte, month-to-month kind of model around helping companies uh, with their marketing. and grew from there. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. you said you started you started with seven people and now you have like over a hundred and twenty employees. So to yep. go to be to be the type of company that you are for yourself and building your company, how did you how did you scale up from seven to hundred and twenty employees and not um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Not interrupt the the work environment or the uh, the the culture of your company? Sure. So I actually think my business partner, who is very much the kind of culture arbiter of our company and really drives the operational side, he's our COO, uh, he said this best, which I think is totally appropriate. Um, as a company grows, the culture changes, and that's not a bad thing. Similar to like everybody talks about their college, their days in college, if you've gone to college and how fun it was and et cetera. Like you're, everybody loves, most people love their college years. It's a great time to be a, you know, it's a great time in people's lives. That doesn't mean I hate things right now, being a professional, being an adult, being married, et cetera. College was really fun. I wouldn't want to do that again right now, but that was a great time. And now we're in another great time. And it's the same thing with company culture where like the early days of our company and having seven people around one conference table working in a tiny room, there was a lot of fun and spirit around it, but having a team of 160 plus and, you know, offices around the country and having all these different dynamics and all these moving parts, there's a lot of fun in that too. It's different for sure, but I think it, it, it's not worse. Hmm. Okay. So I've never, 
you always hear about the work culture, the work environment, and how you have to make sure when you first start your businesses, that is a very important thing for you to be able to have in place because if you have someone coming in and the, the work environment and the work culture is not situated, then it really it, it it doesn't mesh well for building a great brand. And then that also shows up in your marketing. So that brings me to another question for you. When going into these companies, you say you go in and you find the holes in the companies. What are some of the things that you have found that our audience can benefit from knowing or that's in their blind spot that they don't even know they're dealing with? Yeah, so, I mean, every company is different, but probably the most common things I find are people thinking that advertising is the only thing you do in marketing. So they're running Facebook ads, not collecting email addresses, <laughs> not doing anything to keep in touch with those potential customers. Uh, along their purchase decision. So, like, the main stat that we talk about that companies miss all the time is the idea of a purchase cycle or consideration period, meaning the first time someone sees your product or service, they generally are not going to buy. It's like the the best example of this is when you see a car commercial, you don't get up and go buy a car. That's not how people work. It's, It's like now you're aware of it. Maybe when you're ready to buy at some point, you'll remember that, but you don't just get up and go. And that impulse buy online is just, not as frequent as people think. And so you need to measure a longer period of success. And during that period from when someone first sees an advertisement for you or is introduced to you to when they actually purchase, you have to stay in touch with them. You have to be emailing them. You have to be retargeting them with banner ads. You have to be doing all sorts of things that help move that person along to a purchase and also just stay top of mind. And so that's the thing we see missing the most commonly and or just not doing that well because people really discount how valuable that piece is in, in general, and they really focus on their top-of-the-funnel advertising because that's where the money spends. You spend a lot more money on ads than you are going to spend on converting people, but converting is where you actually make your money. So it, it's, it's funny because it's a little counterintuitive that, like, most people's attention goes because their budgets are so much bigger on that. They're going to spend way more attention and blame it way more. So if you see people aren't – you're not getting sales, most people start blaming their advertising. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with their ads. It's a completely other part of their funnel. And so that, I think that's number one mistake. I like how you said when things are, when their sales are bad, they blame the advertising because <laughs> that is yeah. true. That is the first yep. place people go. Yep, and in nine times out of ten, it's not the ads. Right, nine times out of ten, sometimes you just you're not you're only focused on that first sale, and you're not focused on the actual conversation and communication with the with your um, your customers. So that brings me to another question. How important is it for um, a business, an entrepreneur, or any business period to have that marketing campaign, not just for the initial sale but for the second sale or just to continue the conversation with the customer after they've purchased? What do I recommend? Is that what you said? Sorry, you broke up a little bit. Oh, I'm so sorry. My my question my question was how important is it to have a marketing campaign set up not just for that first sale but the second sale and just to continue the conversation yep. with the Great customer. question. So the second mistake people make most commonly is looking at their first purchase as the only money they're going to make. So lifetime value is the metric that most educated like and I mean educated in the field people look at. How much money do I make? from a customer over the lifetime of the, them being a customer, not their first purchase. Because if you have a decent product, 
in, a de- in decent merchandising and decent marketing, that person should buy more than once. That should be a thing. So we like to look at that and see how can we get people to buy over and over and over again. And that's really where you end up with a very successful business is when you get that repeat purchase and also that word of mouth that comes with them repeating to purchase because they like to tell other people. So that's a really important part of the marketing mix. So when we're measuring things, as you just said, like that second purchase, that third purchase, that needs to be a part of the calculation because it also like as long as you have the working capital to sort of have enough cash during that period, then it allows you to look at your cost to acquire a customer, how much it costs you in marketing to actually get a new customer and measure it against their lifetime value versus just that first purchase. And it can allow you to scale a lot faster. That's where a lot of companies raise money. But if you can have a really good ratio there, that's what every private equity firm, every acquirer is going to look for is can you get customers for cheap and make a lot of money off them? It's, it is that simple. And so it's not just about the first time they buy. It's about all the times they buy. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Audi. Uh, I really hope, ladies and gentlemen, you are taking notes because this is the important thing. Um, like like you said when we first started, it, what Eric said is not just about marketing. is not just about advertising. It's so much more encompassed in it. And that's that's one of the things that I learned. I, I, I used to sit back and I'm like, okay, so what are they actually doing? Because it's not just the pretty ads. It's not just... The, the funny commercials. There's something else that 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 these big businesses do in their marketing that we're just not catching as small businesses, and that's why our marketing isn't where it needs to be, or or where our focus. We think the big businesses focus only on that first sale when they're actually getting you the second, third, fourth, and fifth time. So thank you yep. so much, Eric, for for breaking this information down for us because. As entrepreneurs, as businesses, we need to understand that it's not just buying the Facebook ad or buying the the Instagram ad. It's the content, what you do before and after, and the actual the actual marketing uh, plan that you put together for that. Exactly. So it's just say that you are a serial entrepreneur. What 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 was the very first business that you started, and why did you get started in entrepreneurship? Yeah, um, I I started. Let's see, the, the first business I started was I took a trash bag. I went around my parents' house when I was six years old and decided they didn't need a bunch of their things. I put them all in a trash bag, and then I took off walking door to door trying to sell them to our neighbors. Um, wow! That was the first time I tried to make money. <laughs> Um, and, and then, uh, I, at eight years old, I started buying and selling Beanie Babies when they went super popular back in the day and, uh, ended up making, frankly, a few thousand dollars over the course of a few months as an eight-year-old. And the reason I did it was I wanted to buy an electric guitar and I ended up buying that guitar and a BMX and then saved some money for a car. So that was a super fun period. And I still, like, from that age, I thought I wanted to be a rock star. Like, I was going to be a guitarist and a musician and uh, didn't realize that I was actually having more fun in the business side of things than I was playing guitar. So after some time in high school, I started to realize I liked business more than I liked playing music. But that was really where Mm -hmm. I got the start. Wow. Six years old, selling your parents things. Uh, That amazes me. So... So for those parents out there, when you see your children doing things that you would not have normally done, just watch them. Don't shun them. 
Don't push yeah. them aside. Just watch what they're doing and nurture that gift because that's a gift. Not every six-year-old thinks to do these things. <laughs> yeah. No, and I definitely got, like, some, you know, my, I think my parents were both like, where? My, I think I sold a bunch of my dad's golf balls. And he's like, what's happened to my <gasps> golf balls? And I showed them the, like, 80 cents I had made. And they're like, okay, hold on. <laughs> but it, it, I didn't take it. Thankfully, I didn't take anything that valuable. But I, they definitely – it was a pretty funny thing. They definitely sold things for five cents, ten cents. But I had no concept of what the money was worth. Right, but you had, but you already do have to connect. Okay, you have. I have something that you need, so I would like to exchange it for the right. money in your pocket. Yep. That sure. is awesome. Again, I don't think of any six-year-old that thinks that way. So <laughs> when you. So in the process of starting your first business, like, what really, what 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 was that one thing that was like, okay, I know I can master this. Like, this is it. This is, I have fun doing this. This is it. Like, at what point were you like, this is what I'm going to do. This is my, this is my journey. This is my niche. Um, yeah, I would say this. I mean, Hawk Media, like, it, you know, the other things I did, like, I, I built and sold to direct-to-consumer fashion companies. Hey, business owners. Did you know that over 4.2 billion people are active on social media now? That means if you want to connect with your customers and find new ones, you need social. If you want to build loyalty and stand out from the competition, you need social. And if you want to make using social media easier and more impactful, you need Hootsuite. Hootsuite is the must-have tool for managing and growing your business on social. Hootsuite makes it easy to find your audience, whether on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, or Pinterest. You can schedule content, publish posts, and track your success all in one place. Millions of businesses around the world are already using Hootsuite to supercharge their social efforts. And now, it's your turn. Go to www.hootsuite.com slash B2B to start your free trial and get 50% off your first year. That's H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash B2B for a free 30-day trial and 50% off your first year. I about fashion. Like, I enjoyed it. It was fun. The math was fun. But it was, it, it was like, I like my part in those companies i've been like i sold women's activewear i i am very honest i probably don't wear that much women's activewear not a really common thing for me so <laughs> I, it wasn't like i was hyper passionate about it i just thought it was frankly fun but when i got into hawk media i realized i love growing businesses like that is the part of me that i'm passionate mm. about I, I love doing it and now i basically run a business that grows based on growing other businesses so my entire world is around growing and trying and testing things and you know that's evolved over time i also have learned that i I love the sandbox i love learning new things and like kind of breaking my own boundaries and so for me that comes with growing my business it's always something new and different it's very high velocity in the pace that we work like we tell people it's a fast-paced environment and they're like yeah yeah, like everywhere else and then they come in like holy shit so we we work really fast, which means I'm never bored, and that's an important part for me too. So like, talk media has really become everything I'd hope for in a job, 
And so it's a combination of, all, you know, my talents, my skill sets, along with where I'd want to work. And so, you know, that, that's, it's kind of a culmination is how it feels like of the past, you know, I guess, you know, what would that be, 27 years of starting companies from being six years old, I'm 33 now. Um, that, that's, this has been really where I've had the most fun and, and the most success. Oh, right. Awesome. Awesome. I, I, when it, when it comes to marketing, I, I love taking the brains of those who have mastered it and built businesses around it because I've come to realize there's more to marketing than, like I said earlier, than the pretty pictures and the, the special words that you use or the, the extra campaigning. So I have a question to ask you. How important is it to, uh, to understand the, psycho- the psychology of your customers when you're preparing your marketing campaign? Yeah, it, it's hyper important. I think, you know, studying psychology and really studying psychology, I don't mean, frankly, even getting a college degree in it. I mean, really understanding sociology and psychology and what makes people tick is a, is a critical part of marketing. Understanding if I say this and show this, how is someone going to react to it? is all that comes into the advertising side of marketing. Like, you know, the way people react to messaging, the way people react to marketing is psychology. And so uh, it, it's critical. It, it is a big part. And I would say what separates great marketers from not is that understanding of the more, you know, all-encompassing reaction to marketing versus just looking at a spreadsheet and running Facebook ads. Like, actually really understanding how people pick is what makes a good marketer. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, in studying and learning from Antonio as well as building building a business myself, I it, it took me for I used to sit there and I'm like, there's something I'm missing. I'm missing something. Because I used to sit here and I'm like, I'm watching these Coca-Cola commercials and I'm watching these, these Reese's peanut butter cup commercials, and I'm like, man, I want a Reese's. And I'm like, but wait, they didn't really even do anything. So why do I want one? Red Red Bull's amazing about that. So Red Bull, and this is my own take on Red Bull's marketing, but Red Bull doesn't market the energy drink. They just get a bunch of content that's all about high energy content. Like I'm going to, like dirt bikers, mountain bikers, guys jumping out of space, all this high energy stuff, and they put their logo on it. And so your thought, Red Bull is ubiquitous enough now that I'm watching all these things with high energy. It makes me want high energy. Oh, yeah, and Red, now I associate Red Bull with having high energy. Like, it, that is psychology. It's not that – that is really brilliant marketing, and it's worked. It's, you know, we're in a time of health – you know, McDonald's is on the decline. Like, health is a very big concern. And people – and you still have a multibillion-dollar energy drink company that is not healthy at all, but they've done such a good job with that association – that it, people don't even really, it's, it's become almost subconscious to people versus a conscious, like the Red Bull gives you wings kind of campaign. That was good in the beginning, but they don't need it anymore. They can just focus on that association. You just opened my eyes. Yes, because every, when you hear someone say, man, I need some energy. I need to go give me a Red Bull. Man, I need the second win. Let me go get a Red Bull. Like you only hear, you don't really hear people speak about other energy drinks as much as you hear Red Bull because, like you just said, they've done a wonderful job with it, and I didn't realize that until you just pointed it out how wonderful of a job they did. Wow. Yeah, and they really do. They're, they're really solid. So my question to you is, what has been your favorite your favorite marketing campaign that you've worked on? You know, it's always a really hard question because 
I mean, we've literally worked on 2,500 brands in the past six years, so I have a lot of clients. <laughs> um, I'm trying. I mean, the the ones that are always the most fun, frankly, are the founder, owner, you know, owner, founder, CEO that is just getting going or has been doing it for a little while but hasn't scaled, and we end up just putting, you know, rocket fuel into the business. It, it's not necessarily like a fun campaign because it was hyper-creative. It's more we figured out how to grow scale a business massively for someone that it changed their life. And that, that is the most rewarding part. It's not, that's not like just, you know, uh, sort of lip service that that's really fun. And we've done that a lot. Like we've had a lot of companies come to us where they have $10,000 in sales. And then a year later working with us, they're at millions of dollars in sales or tens of millions. And like, that is the fun part. There's a lot of those. So we have a lot of those stories, thankfully. And those, those are the fun ones is where like, you know, I'm because I've, I've built my own business. I'm very conscious that when we get someone from like this little side business out of their you know apartment to now it's a multi million dollar business and they're running it full time. Like their life has changed forever in a good way and generally, and I, I, that's really fun to see. Yeah, I can definitely tell how that can be one of those amazing feelings. Like man their entire life has changed from here to there like that because we yep. help them. Like, we help connect that dot with them. Exactly. So I have a, I have another question for you, Eric. How how important is it for your – because you said I'm very aware. How important is it for a person's personal development in their in – their, um, how important is it for their personal development to go and flow along with the building of their business? And how how does that shift a business in regards to not just the growth of the business, but the marketing of the business? Um, sorry, can you repeat that again? I didn't quite catch that. How important is one's personal development, like their personal yep. development with the development of their business, and how does that also uh, directly affect their marketing as well? Yeah. Um, you know, personal and professional development is everything. Like, we, we talk about a, uh, one of our core values is an unwavering pursuit of growth. Like, you have to be pursuing growth. And, I, I mean, internal growth, professional growth, growth of your business, just growth if you want to keep up. It's, it's, there's a cliche, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think that goes with, an individual too. If you're not learning something new, if you're not building up your knowledge, if you're not building up your skill sets, you're going to fall behind. And you see that a lot professionally with people that, you know, have the same skill set for 30 years and then the industry changes and they get screwed and they have no, no marketable skills, et cetera. Like you have to constantly be reinventing yourself, reinventing your company, reinventing everything. And I think being comfortable, being uncomfortable is super important. And we, we talk about, you know, everyone talks about IQ is a big thing, you know, intelligence quotient. And that, that's been a very big talked about thing since Einstein. And then you come out with emotional quotient and that EQ. And that's been another big thing. Like, what's your EQ? How can you read people and communicate with people, et cetera? The, the newest quotient that we've seen that I think is we actually talk about internally as well is the adaptability quotient. So how adaptable are you? How much can you transition and change with the times and be flexible? And that is you know, we talk about IQ, EQ, and AQ are what we need at Hawk. Those three things are what make a great employee at Hawk. And adaptability is important, and that comes from development. That comes from really focusing on bettering yourself. So, yeah, it's better called, I guess, the, the quick answer. 
<laughs> no, no, no. The, the the answer you gave was perfect because we have to understand as businesses that if you're not consistently growing, if you're not always, if you're not, if you're not a student all the time, then you will, you won't grow. Yep, exactly. So, what has been your what has been the one thing that that consistently throughout from the age of six until today that you hold that one thing that one principle that you hold to you that you believe helps you master every entrepreneur um, opportunity helps you master building Hawk Media every project you have ever worked on what's that one principle that you hold that you no matter what this is what I stick by yeah I, I would say it's why not me <laughs> it's a little bit of entitlement it's mm. realizing and I've realized it way more as I got older but I was always of the opinion like why shouldn't I just do that like and that's really what drove a lot of my entrepreneurial endeavors was like you know a lot of people have self-doubt I guess I don't have don't have it I, I I have realism that like yeah I, I might not be a billionaire like I might not do like that's possible but I also think like but I could be like there's nothing limiting me personally I just don't think anyone's that smart I think success has a lot to do with working hard uh being smart enough and then just really timing and so why not keep trying things and building things and you know I'll be as successful as I am and so from the first company I started at six you're the first thing I did at six years old I was like, you kind of said it, like, what six-year-old thinks about making money? I was like, why not? You know, I'm going to go make some money. Money seems like a thing. And then at eight years old, (laughs) frankly, that was the Beanie Baby thing came from me wanting an electric guitar and my dad telling me, well, good, go get a job. I've said it to eight-year-olds as a joke since. And every eight-year-old's like, I'm only eight. I can't get a job. And to me, at eight years old, I was like, okay, I guess I'll go get a job. Like, it's always been, why not? (laughs) Like, let's just go for it. I like that. Why not me? I would, yeah, so, so ladies and gentlemen, why not you? Why yep. not you? Exactly. So, Eric, what is the one thing that you would like to leave our audience with in regards to being being an entrepreneur, building your business, and growing your business and scaling? Um, yeah, I would say... It really just comes down to execution. Like, I, I think the biggest thing I harp on and I really believe is being successful on some level just has to do with being smart enough and hardworking enough. If you've got a certain level of intelligence and you're ready to work your butt off, nobody can – there's 24 hours in a day. Everybody – no one can outwork someone else. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – if you're willing to put in the work, there, there's only so much time, like, you're going to you're going to put – there's no one's going to outwork you if you can be the hardest-working person. So there's there's a kind of level playing field there that just work your ass off and nobody and then nobody can work harder than you. You'll be some level of successful if you're again smart enough with your time. Then the the real level the level setter is how successful you are has to do with timing, which is really luck. You can try to predict timing, but generally you're not going to be able to be that. You can't like the higher risk you take on timing, and you you might end up too far ahead of your uh, audience, like Friendster, the you know social network. I didn't end up being mm-hmm. that successful. It was the first social network. You would have thought that'd be great. Timing plays a part in the, the in massive success. So really just swinging the bat and going for it and working your butt off will get you some level of success if you keep working at it. 
and how successful is just timing. So you have to kind of just let that go and just work at it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much because we all want that that turnaround success. So thank you. Thank you for stressing that to our audience as well. If you can please, Eric, let our audience know how they can find you. Yeah. So uh, you, any social media platform, I'm at or slash Eric Huberman. It's just E-R-I-K-H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N. Pretty easy to reach. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. It was a pleasure having you on today. I really greatly appreciate the information that you have given our audience. I really do hope they reach out to you to get more information and to reach out to Hawk Media as well so they can build their businesses and scale and grow their businesses as well. Yeah. No, sounds great. Would love to connect with people. Awesome. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, you will also find all of uh, Eric's contact information in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Secret to Success podcast. We look forward to seeing you in the near future. I'm not sure if you already know this, but you're already absolutely perfect. You're already absolutely great. And you're already living in massive abundance. The most important things that you have is not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what you know. Because the people who do know what you need to know to leave the middle class, they're in the top 1%, and they control 96% of the world's income. 97% of this world is trading time for money, and that is not the way to become rich, it's not the way to become wealthy, and it is absolutely not the way to leave the middle class. There are 7.8 billion people in the world right now, and they all want to learn how to make money and how to leave the middle class. But the way to become a master at anything is to learn all the rules and then bend them to your favor. Right now in this world, there are 2,057 billionaires. Right now. So if you think becoming a billionaire is, a, is impossible, that's 2,057 people that have already proved that impossibility incorrect. And if you think that's crazy, there are 46.8 million millionaires in the world, worldwide right now. Now think about that. 46.8 million millionaires, and that number grows 1,730 millionaires every single day. Money is everywhere. You don't need to max out your credit cards. You don't need to borrow from granddad and grandma. Just look behind me. Look at all the wealth sitting behind me in this junkyard. It's insane how much money is everywhere, and you don't need to go out there and beg, bar, and steal to get it. You just need to know the rules of making money and how to leave the middle class. Essentially, all you need to know is the algorithm of making money, the rules of making money. All you need to know is what to do and how to do it, and you can leave the middle class. Any industry, yoga, golf, underwater basket weaving, clipping fingernails, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is know how to do it, how to get it done, and then find somebody to teach you how to do it, how to get it done, and you will be able to leave the middle class. If you're not getting my point, it's real simple. Whatever you have up here, as long as you understand the rules of leaving the middle class, as long as you understand how to get money, you can take what's up here and get wealthy for what you already have. Right now, the very thing you know up here is already being searched a thousand times a second on Google. Someone right now, actually 1,730 people right now, are gonna become a millionaire from the stuff that you have in your head. Why can't this be you? 
I mean, it's 1,730 people with your ideas that are no better than you, that are gonna leave the middle class, become a millionaire. Why are you not next? So how do we do this? How do we take what you know and apply it to objective money-making secrets and then allow you to leave the middle class? How do we take you from where you are and let you escape to where you wanna go? So how do we make all this money or take all this knowledge from the Warren Buffers, from Elon Musk, how do we take everything that everyone before you has done and how do we take all of that and then put it in your head so you can leave a legacy for your family? My name is Antonio T. Smith Jr. 32 years ago, I lived in a trash can. That's right, from six to 14, I had no running water, no electricity, no anything, and somehow I'm in the top 1% today not because I had the right background, not because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, simply because being homeless made me learn how to make money. I retired when I was 29 years old. I'm more than likely younger than you. I'm one of the top 1% income earners in one of the richest countries in the world. What I learned how to do when I was six years old was learn how to generate enough money to eat some cookies so I wouldn't die to death from starvation. From there, I learned how to go from cookies to a meal from a meal to clothes, to clothes, to shelter, to everything else that supplied my necessary needs. When I was six, I was forced to learn how to make money, and now that's what I'm gonna do and help you do. I've seen amazing results. I have my own economy, I've homeschooled my own children, and I wrote a book that teaches you every single thing that I know about making money, every single thing that other people know about making money, and most importantly, all the stuff that we don't tell you. Because the truth is, and you know it like I know it, the most honest, the most hardworking, unselfish people on planet Earth live in the middle class. Yet, your honesty, your unselfishness, your devout religion going self is not enough to get to the top 1% and that's not fair. The second half of my life has been not about how much money I make, but how I will be remembered from all the money that I have made. And I've been trying to teach everybody how to get out the middle class. I'm the crazy guy famous on the internet for trying to create 100,000 millionaires. I've created eight so far. I got a ninth one on the way, all the way from India. That's pretty cool. And what I want to tell you is something very simple. It's been hard. It's been absolutely hard to help people leave the middle class, not because of the people, because the system would rather keep you being someone else's money instead of you having your own economy and having the money come find and flow to you. It was frustrating because I knew that anybody can make money. And if you knew what I knew, you would change your life. Over the last few years, I built a large following of over half a million people every month that pay me to actually, for me, to give them advice. Well, that's been exciting for me. And the cool thing is, I've created thousands of six-figure earners. I've created millionaires. I've created people who can live their dreams and hold on to their legacies. And now my eyes are on you to create you to what you need to be great. I have been teaching my principles and these principles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, every country, all continents, 
and anyone who has taken them seriously, written them down and applied them, have a 100% success rate of leaving the middle class. I've taught these secrets to my following and my inner network, and I've watched them go from four figures to five figures, five figures to six figures, seven figures all the way to eight. Everything that I've ever learned Everything I've ever learned from millionaire mentors, billionaire mentors, and everything I learned from being homeless, and everything that got me into the top 1%, I have placed inside of a book. To date, it is the longest book that I've ever written, the most best book that I've ever written, and that book is called The Richest Man and the Trash Can, and I'm offering it to you today for free. This book is gonna show you how to become wealthy into the top 1% and leave the middle class. This book is gonna give you a step-by-step -step plan if you're 30 years old, all the way to 70 years old, how to get into the top 1%. If you're a teenager, how to get to the top 1%. If you're a millennial, how to get to the top 1%. It's gonna teach you how to make six figures immediately, teach you how to get to a million dollars immediately, and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm gonna give you the 36 objective laws of leaving the middle class. Plus, I'm gonna give you every last one of my secrets that have made me rich. You have to understand that leaving the middle class is the most important fight that you're gonna have in your life. And to be honest with you, and you can kind of relate to this, it almost takes $450,000 a year just to be broke in America. And that's just in America. If you don't leave the middle class, which is actually an illusion, then you are gonna have a really hard time. Think about it for a second. Some of, most of you are gonna be watching this are gonna be baby boomers, and you've been sold a bad check. They lied to you. Your retirement was not enough for you to live comfortable, and I'm gonna give you this book for free so you can figure out how to triple your retirement and then quadruple your retirement, and then as Grant Cardone would say, 10 extra retirement so you can live the life that's worthy of you. I want you to remember that leaving the middle class is the most important battle that you could ever face in your entire life, especially for your family. So consider this video, this book, your friendly tap on the shoulder. I wanna send you a free copy of this book because I believe that abundance is your birthright. I believe that abundance is freedom. And I believe that this book is right for you. In fact, I believe in that so much that I will send you the book for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. I'll eat the cost, I'll take the loss, and all you have to do is get the book and dominate your reality right now and apply the principles so you can be the best person for your life that is yours. Fill out the form sitting right there to the right. Go ahead, dominate your reality. I can't wait to send you my book. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to have you as someone that's been on the journey with me. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better. You can dominate.